Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are so glad that you're here and with us this morning. We have uh, one update to our prayer list. Um, Sister Nunn, who's been in the, the rehab center in Columbus, she was released this last week, and she's on the men. And so uh, continue to keep her in your prayers. Um, I know many of you do, but just an update on her condition. So I thought we would uh, spend a little bit of um, time this morning talking about time, and I want to begin with a couple of passages from Scripture. Um, first one you're probably familiar with, a beautiful passage from the book of Ecclesiastes. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And then in the New Testament, Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 16. So then, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so time is an interesting subject within the pages of Scripture. I think most of us probably think of time as being neutral, um, something that we can just do whatever we like with. But that's not exactly what we find in the pages of the Bible. Time is ordered. We see this in the book of Ecclesiastes, where we're reminded that there's a time for everything. We see it in books like Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, where God commands his people to observe certain holy days in order to remember what he has done. And so the, the, the lives of the Hebrew people were ordered around the events of Scripture. They didn't just take a day off from work. They were living out the stories of the Bible. They sacrificed lambs. They lived in tents. They ate special meals, and they read from the Word of God. And this is how God wanted them to do life. He knew that they needed these reminders. This was a special ordering of time. And then when we come to the New Testament, we see that Jesus and others continue to observe these Jewish festival days. There's even a reference in John 10 and verse 22 and following to Jesus observing Hanukkah, which is interesting because this is a holiday that's not found within the Hebrew scriptures, but it's a holiday that is established during the period between the Testaments. Under the New Covenant, there's only one holy day established, and this is the first day of the week. This is the day that is set apart because it was on this day that Jesus rose from the grave. However, that's not the end of the matter. 
We find other references to special days in the New Testament. Romans 14, 5 through 6 is one of the clearest. And it says here, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. And so rather than establish a brand new calendar in the New Testament, what God does is he leaves it up to us. We have freedom in Christ to observe special days if we want. We also have freedom in Christ not to observe them. We get to decide. The only thing we cannot do is bind our decisions on others. We cannot condemn someone else because they do it differently than we do. And perhaps the most important passage on time is the one that we just read a few moments ago, Ephesians 5, 15 through 16, which again says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Now this is a passage that has sometimes been reduced to a simplistic meaning. Some say that all these verses mean is that we should just make the most of our time. And I think that's a, a valid point. But I also believe there's much more here than just using our time wisely. We are commanded to redeem the time. Why? Well, he says because the days are evil. And so Paul is saying that time is not neutral. We have freedom in Christ to come up with our own calendar, but we are not to go along with the ways of the world. Instead, we are to organize time in a way that blesses rather than curses. We are to be countercultural when it comes to time. And this is exactly what the people of Israel did when they were living in exile, when they were living outside the nation of Israel, they would rest on the Sabbath day as all their neighbors were going to work. They viewed time differently than everyone around them, and it showed. One of the things we need to consider is how our cultural calendar influences our lives. And we all live by more than one calendar. We have a national calendar with federal holidays that we observe. We most often notice this calendar when we're given a day off of work or when we try to go to the post office or the bank and they're closed. The main purpose of this calendar is to garner appreciation for our nation and those who have served it. We celebrate things like the 4th of July, President's Day and Veterans Day. Some of us observe a school calendar. And so this calendar does not have a, a bigger purpose like our national calendar, but it does influence our lives and our habits. And so for 13 years or more, we are slaves to this calendar. We must follow it so that our children will be able to graduate and then become productive members of society. And so we're quite aware of both of those calendars, but there's another that we follow as well. We might call it the um, commercial calendar. 
And it's evident each time that we go to the store. We enter into the store and we see items on the shelves that align with whatever season the store deems we're in. And so the big holidays are ones like Christmas, Valentine's Day, Easter, Mother's Day, Halloween, and Black Friday. And so we know what time of year it is by the commercials that we see on television. And the purpose behind this calendar is to make money. And so you have lots of companies, companies like Target and Amazon, Walmart, who are not religious at all, but they will gladly use the birth and resurrection of Jesus to move products. And this calendar is probably the most dangerous because it does not want us to be content. It wants us to buy, buy, buy. And these are just a few, but there are others as well. There's a work calendar, a sports calendar, a political calendar. And we need to recognize that our culture wants us to do time a certain way. And the question is, how will we respond to this? How will we respond to these cultural calendars? In this setting that we find ourselves in, how do we redeem the time? And this is something we need to contemplate. We have a responsibility, as Paul says, to do exactly this, to redeem the time. But we also have the freedom to choose how best to do this. And so what would a Christian understanding of time look like? How would Jesus himself respond to secular calendars that seek to shape our lives? How might he go along with some things and resist other things? Well, I'm going to suggest some ideas, but we all need to remember that passage in Romans 14, verses 5 through 6. What I'm about to say, my suggestions, are not law. They're not the only way. God has given us freedom here. The only requirement we have is that whatever we do, we do it in a way that honors the Lord. That we seek to bring glory to God through our observance of time. And so we redeem time from ways that corrupt us and that do not uh, represent God's goodness. And so here are my three suggestions this morning. The first is this, that we need to resist any forces that do not lead to human flourishing. Okay? So John 10.10 famously says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, they may have life and have it abundantly. Now it's very interesting, you can put this verse up against Ephesians 5 and verse 16, which we've already read, and they're very similar in nature. Here we're told that Jesus came to give us abundant life, but he also says that Satan is at work in our world, and Satan's goal is to rob us of life. And so there is the way of Jesus that leads to abundance and human flourishing, and then there are the ways of the world that lead to death. Ephesians 5.16 says the days are evil. And so there are ways of observing time that do not lead to what God wants. 
And it's up to us as followers of God to redeem it, to redeem this way of doing time, and to live according to God's purposes. So what are the forces associated with time that do not lead to human flourishing? Well, we might consider this quote from Brene Brown, who says, it takes courage to say yes to rest and play in a culture where exhaustion is seen as a status symbol. And so Brown is a popular author and speaker, and she recognizes that there's something amiss with how we do time. That if we're going to follow the culture, at least certain aspects of it, it's going to rob us of the rest that we need. It's going to rob us of the joys of life and maybe time with friends and family. And so a calendar that results in exhaustion does not lead to human flourishing. Consider the focus on rest throughout the Bible. It shows up in the very beginning of the Bible, uh, beginning with God, that he creates all that we know and see, and it takes him six days, and then on the seventh day, he rests. And this is so important that this day is given a special name. It's called the Sabbath. And throughout the rest of the Bible, there is talk of the Sabbath and how one observes the Sabbath. And there are Sabbath controversies once you get to the Gospels. But this is only because the Pharisees and others have turned the Sabbath day into a burden. They have robbed it of its original intent to be a day of blessing, a day of human flourishing, and they've turned it into something else. We were designed for rest. And so we should resist the forces that take away what we need. Another force that does not lead to human flourishing is debt. And the Bible speaks quite a bit of this, most often in the Old Covenant. And so many people feel pressure around the holidays to buy presents or to take trips that they cannot afford. And this doesn't just happen at Christmas. The stores have their own calendar, and they're constantly pressuring us to buy something. Now, a box of chocolates on Valentine's Day may seem innocent enough, but many stores and companies have, have moved way beyond what is simple and frugal. And so car companies, for instance, invite us to shop their holiday sale and buy a nice vehicle. Jewelry companies suggest that diamonds are always a nice gift. Disney wants you to come and visit for the holidays. And these are all forces that we can resist. Again, there's nothing wrong with buying gifts and, and giving gifts. That's a wonderful thing to do. But we don't have to follow a calendar that tells us we have to buy something every single month. We don't have to pay attention to made-up holidays like Black Friday, which was solely created to make profit for companies. We can celebrate the important holidays without going into debt. We don't have to do what everyone else is doing or listen to all the messages that are coming in from television or computers or wherever else. We can resist and we can follow the ways of Jesus. 
The world is telling us that life is found in what we buy. But this is a lie. Life is much more than what we buy. It's the time that we have with friends and family. It's serving others. Abundant life is found in Jesus Christ. Second, we can celebrate the deeper meaning of Christmas and Easter. And so again, Romans 14, 5 through 6, gives us permission to celebrate holidays as long as we follow this one principle. We're to honor the Lord. Christmas, Easter, and other holidays have become commercialized. And so Christians may invoke the name of Christ by wishing someone a Merry Christmas and then never ever read or reflect on the birth stories of Jesus. And for many, Christmas and Easter are, are more about Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny than about the events in the life of Jesus. And so I want us to think about this question. Are we really honoring the Lord when we embrace the commercialization of Christmas and Easter and we neglect Jesus? That's something to think about. Now, we don't have to believe that Jesus was born on Christmas Day in order to take the time to honor and celebrate him on that day. We can have fun with Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny while also teaching our kids about why these days were set aside in the first place. Because these holidays were not created for companies to make a profit. They, they were not began for, for kids to get presents and candy. They were started to honor Jesus and to help Christians shape their lives according to the ways of Jesus. And so we can redeem the times by going deeper when it comes to Christmas and Easter. And these are opportunities for us to grow in our faith and draw closer to God. They are times of the year when we can teach our kids about important truths that will help guide them throughout the rest of their lives. They are chances for us to talk to our friends and neighbors about what we find meaningful in life. Christmas and Easter are great blessings because even though we live in a society that continues to grow more and more secular, non-believers often still observe Christian holidays. And so I don't think we should run away from this. I think we should embrace it and use it as a way to honor the Lord. Finally, we should consider the Christian calendar. Now, the Christian calendar is not something that's found in the New Testament. There's no place where we are commanded to observe a calendar arranged around the life of Jesus. We have freedom here. But even though it's not commanded, it's still a worthy thing to do. It's something that can help us in our Christian walk and bless our lives in surprising ways. There are lots of things that, that we do like this that are not commanded, but we practice to our benefit. We've set aside Wednesday night as a time in the middle of the week to pause and to focus on God. This practice is not found anywhere in Scripture. It's not commanded, but it's a good thing to do. Our kids are not 
required to come to VBS, but I think it's beneficial for all of them to do so. It's not mandatory for our ladies to attend ladies' Bible class, but it will help them in their Christian life. The Christian calendar is not just a calendar. It's a calendar designed to shape us spiritually. And so it includes feasts and fasting. There are times of fellowship, and then there are times of sacrifice and prayer. It asks us to continually reflect on the life of Jesus throughout the year. And we're challenged to conform our lives to his life. It encourages us to live patient lives. The calendar begins with Advent, which is a time of waiting. And this is the season right before Christmas. And so the texts, the Bible texts that are read this time of year are ones that anticipate the coming of Christ. And the calendar not only asks us to look back, but it also asks us to consider our own lives in light of Scripture. So for instance, Advent, the beginning of the Christian year, asks us to reflect on this question. What if Jesus returns this year? And Christians are to consider this question and think about their lives, and I think that's a, a wonderful practice. What if we all lived our lives with the return of Jesus in mind? How might this change our attitudes? How might it change our actions? How might it change our priorities? And then this is what the Christian calendar seeks to do. It seeks to cause us to pause and consider how we are living. And it invites us to make changes that will lead us to look more like Jesus. And I believe that's a good thing. Well, again, these are suggestions. They're not laws. They're not commands. We have freedom in Christ to decide how best to honor the Lord with our time. But what each of these suggestions are is they are helpful. They're not the only way, but they are a way that draws us closer to Jesus. And so Romans 14, 5 through 6 is about time. It's about special days, holidays, any other days that we want to set apart. But the main thrust of this passage is not on this day or that day. It's on honoring the Lord. And this is evident when we read the verses that follow it. Verses 7 and 8. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. So how are you living with the time that you have been given? Is it what we see reflected here in these verses? You see, what we do with time is important. Ephesians 5 calls us to redeem time. We are to rescue it from the ways of evil. Romans 14 reminds us that we are to use our time in service to God. That no matter what we do, we belong to the Lord. And no matter if we esteem one day as better than another or not, we are to honor the Lord. And this is our life. We do not live to ourselves. We do not die to ourselves. We belong to the Lord. 
And so people can do whatever they want with time. But there is only one way that leads to abundant living. And it is the way that acknowledges that time belongs to God. It is His. He's the one that has established day and night. He established the seven-day week. He set apart the Sabbath day and He rested. Time belongs to God. And it's up to us to decide what we will do with the time that we've been given. We must choose what we will do with tomorrow. We must choose what we will do with next year. We must choose how we will measure our time and what days we will set apart, if any, and how we will then honor the Lord with those days. We must choose and choose wisely. We must decide how best to redeem the time because the days are evil. And the good news is that the light of the Son of God has come into our world and the darkness has not overcome it. And so we must choose how best to reflect this light in the days that we are living. And the days may be evil, but we have Jesus. And so let us celebrate him and honor him as we contemplate how best to live out our days. Let's pray. Dear God, we come before you this morning. And we thank you for this opportunity to gather on the first day of the week to honor you, to celebrate you, to praise you. And Father, we're grateful that you think so much of us that you've given us certain freedoms in Christ that we are to study scripture and use it to garner wisdom and then make the best decisions that we can. Father, I'm grateful that we're not alone in making these decisions, that you have given us your Holy Spirit as well. And so I pray that we will do just that, that we will shape our lives according to Scripture, and that we will remember that your Spirit lives in us, and that we will live lives full of wisdom that reflect your light and your glory. Father, be with us as we go from this place. And we seek to do that out in the world. So we seek to be different. To be something that's unlike the darkness all around us. To be a light. To remind people of your son who lives in each of us. We pray this in his name. Amen.